0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com recommend today.
1: It's Mike Shope.
2: And who uh, and what was thrown at that gentleman? And that gentleman has been ejected, but it was an ugly, ugly sight. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> oh, jeez. Highly unnecessary. And the bulldog. Guy with the Patriots jacket, and of course, he's been asked to leave the ball game for ruining a good piece of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> beer all over, and here
3: comes some <laughs> pizza.
2: On WGR, that was an awful sight here at Fenway, and that that is not tolerated in this ballpark. He has been ejected, and never again allowed to buy pizza.
4: Sports
1: Radio 550.
4: Welcome back to Shope and the Bulldog here on WGR. Both Shope and Bulldog have the day off. Zach Jones along with you, along with Corey Griswold. And before we get things rolling on the West Hur hotline, quick little weather update as we do have a weather advisory until 6 p.m. tomorrow. Light flurries in our Amherst studio. It's somewhat calmed down right now, but is expected to get worse as the night goes on. And for more on the weather, our station right across from where we're at, WBEN will have much more all night and all day tomorrow on the progressively worsening weather outside. Now, we were talking a little bit of the Sabres in the first hour. Do you make a trade? Do you stay put? We're going to turn the tables a little bit to football. We're going to get to the draft. I'm going to get to some F1. That's personally for me. I don't, I, anyone else can do whatever they want, but I'm going to get to F1. Because on the West Her Hotline, our next guest, Mark Schofield of Espionation, joins the show. Mark, thank you so much. How are you doing, my man?
5: I'm doing well, Zach. It's great to be here. And i got to say, I do appreciate the audio that you had on just before me, Jerry Remy, Dan Orsillo. Patriots Day, Fenway Park, the pizza incident—it's an all-time favorite of mine. It warmed my heart to hear that, but I'm very excited to be here, my friend. How are you?
4: I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. The weather has absolutely dampened my mood. I don't know about you, Mark. I'm a big summer guy, and like I'll tolerate spring, but like fall and winter, I'm the kind of guy that like just just goes right into seasonal depression. There's no gradual fall. It's like the moment the weather turns to like 35, I'm like, all right. well, the next six months are useless. I just I cannot deal with the cold weather.
5: I, I, as I've gotten older. I've fallen more into that camp. I used to love winter. You know, we haven't gotten a real winter here in the D.C. area. I mean, I, I don't we had like one dusting of snow and I'm certainly not going to get any sort of sympathy saying that on air in Buffalo. But the kids haven't had a snow day. There's been no sledding. There's been no skiing. It's kind of been disappointing for the kids. But I'm like you. I'm looking forward to spring. Very much looking forward to summer.
4: Should be a good one, hopefully, especially as like the winners here in Buffalo have not been very kind no. at all this past this past year, really. Now, Mark, though, where I do want to get t- tonight's conversation started is the NFL draft. It's really been, obviously, of course, as we entered the offseason, a point of discussion all across the country, but especially here in Buffalo, wide receiver, offensive line. But now the conversation is somewhat tilted towards defense because the Bills' defense might be losing a lot of members, Jordan Poyer and Tremaine Edmonds really being the main two. What have you been making as this twenty twenty three draft class as a whole? Not necessarily positional, just as a whole. Does this feel like a strong draft class or is it more of a middling one and, and you're kind of it's gonna be very, very top heavy, I guess?
5: Yeah, I mean, Jack, I I think this draft class is interesting because I think overall, and we're gonna get a much clearer picture of this draft class over the next couple of weeks. We've certainly got The combine kick it off next week. Everybody headed out to Indianapolis for that. But the sense that I get both from watching players in preparation for the draft and talking to other people that cover the draft and study players as well, it's kind of a weaker class overall. Now, there are some positions where I think there is a lot of talent. And I think cornerback is one of those. Now, probably not one of the positions that Bills fans are really thinking about, particularly early in the draft. You mentioned safety. You mentioned linebacker. There's some talent at those positions, but it seems a bit more top-heavy. Trenton Simpson, the linebacker from Clemson, for example, Noah Sewell, the linebacker from Oregon. You know, there's some talent at the linebacker position, but that's probably more on the earlier side of the draft. And so it becomes, you know, does that shape and sort of move the Bills in one direction with respect to free agency? They address some of these positions. You know, wide receiver is a position you also mentioned there. That's an interesting one both in the draft and in free agency because it's not the deepest free agency class at the wide receiver position. The wide receiver position of the draft is interesting because there's a lot of, say, wide receiver two-slash-three types, but there's no real consensus on is there somebody in this group that is a surefire number one at the next level, so that's an interesting discussion. I think overall it's kind of an average class. Like I said, cornerback is very talented, very deep, you might see five, six, seven, eight in the first round at the quarterback position. There's a lot of talent there, but some of the other positions look to be top heavy and perhaps a little thin.
4: What do you make of the Boston College receiver in Zay Flowers? The past, it, it feels like maybe a week and a half, his name has really started to skyrocket up draft boards, and he went from, I, I don't want to say unknown, I, I did know him from college football, but now it seems like every single mock draft you see, he is in the first round. What do you make of him overall as a prospect, especially in, in a draft class at wide receiver that, like you said, like it, just, it may not be that deep?
5: Yeah, and, and Flowers has gotten a lot of buzz, I think, in recent weeks, because You know, he was out in Vegas for the Shrine Bowl and he got to see sort of the workouts there. He got to see the movement skills, the change of direction skills. And certainly as the NFL overall sort of trends towards, I don't want to say slot receiver types, but, you know, making plays in space, creating with change of direction skills at the receiver position, he sort of fits that mold. And, you know, I, I think one of the bigger question marks in this receiver class you know, is Jackson Smith and Java, who, you know, say a year ago or in the summer looked like, okay, this guy, this kid is going to be receiver one no matter what. He had the injury. He sort of slipped a little bit. I think the combine's going to sort of reestablish him as one of the top receivers in this group. But you're seeing him sort of slide down boards, and as such, you're seeing players come up. You know, Zay Flowers is certainly one. Jalen Hyatt, the speedy wide receiver from Tennessee, who I like a lot, does he fit every offense you know is what he did on Saturdays in the Tennessee system that had a lot of switches switch release concepts a lot of stacks and things like that that sort of helped the receiver is that all going to translate well you know Josh Downs from UNC is another player that's getting a lot of discussion but all of these players that we're talking about they're sort of in this sort of slot receiver type of mold they're players that you know, you're not going to draft and say, put it an X. And so that might slide them down the boards a little bit, but flowers is an extremely interesting prospect. I think he's going to test extremely well. I think he's going to test well the sort of change of direction, quickness type of drills, like the three cone that we're seeing teams rely on a lot. And so I, I think because of what he did out in Vegas during Shrine Bowl week, that's why you're seeing him rise up a little bit right now.
4: You mentioned also the free agent class at wide receiver and one, you know, very, very well is Jacoby Myers. Do you think he stays with the Patriots? Is he able to be re signed by him, or is he somebody that might get a pretty good pay raise just by the fact that it's not really a great free agent class overall at his position?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think, Zach, that you're probably going to see him somewhere else next year. And part of that is, you know, having been around the Patriots and covered them and, you know, really watching up versus a fan for years, you know, this is the the sort of standard Belichick move, right? Which is somebody gets to be too expensive. They're going to find a way to replace them in another way. And I think because it's a weaker free agency class at the position, because it's a weaker draft class perhaps than we've seen in recent years, that might mean Myers commands a little bit more on the open market than he might in say years past. Now there's a flip side to that coin, which is, if they're really going to try to do everything that they can to get the best out of Matt Jones in year three of the Matt Jones experiment, right? You've hired Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator, somebody that has a relationship with Matt Jones. Jacoby Myers is one of his favorite targets over the past two seasons now. Somebody that he's, you know, trusted to throw the football to in some clutch situations. And so that might make New England more inclined to try to find a way to bring him back. But I think ultimately we've seen this pattern before in New England where, you know, a player at a certain position becomes too expensive. They're more inclined to move on. Couple that with what we've talked about, free agent wide receivers, draft wide receivers, teams that have a need at the position might say, look, this is perhaps the best option we're going to find. It might drive up the price tag, making the Patriots more likely to move on.
4: You mentioned year three of the Mac Jones experiment. How big of a difference does Bill O'Brien being brought in as OC make for Mac? And maybe also a secondary question to this. Is there a real possibility they could move off of Mac Jones this offseason? Or is that just garbage rumors and they're at least going to give this this third year a try?
5: I mean, I'll I'll take the sort of second part there. I, I think there's... I don't think they're in a position where they'd say no to a offer you can't refuse type of situation. I mean, look, if the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh McDaniels called them up today and said, we'll give you the seventh overall pick for Mac Jones, I, I think they would take that deal. I don't think it's a scenario where they're certainly locked into, you know, it's Mac Jones or nothing. You know, they would listen to offers. But I think for the most part, they're going to try to do everything they can to get the best out of Mac Jones. And I think the you O'Brien. Know, you know, hire an offensive coordinator as part of that. Now, you know, the relationship there is, you know, it's not an expensive relationship. They did spend some time together when O'Brien was hired, you know, by Alabama to be their offensive coordinator. He was put in a room with Mac Jones to learn the offense. So there is somewhat of a working relationship, but it's not like they spent a couple of years together. And, you know, in a sense, we're now getting the third offense for three years in Matt Jones in the National Football League. I think there will be parts of the playbook that he's probably very familiar with. So I, I don't think it will be a huge learning curve, Um, but I think the O'Brien hire, you know, there's some pros, there's some reasons to be excited about if you're a Patriots fan, but you know, it's still year three of a quarterback who took a step back last year, third sort of offense in three years. And I think there are still big questions about, you know, is Mac Jones really the guy? I I do think that, you know, absent some sort of offer you can't refuse, he's their week one starter. I think the biggest question for the Patriots and for Matt Jones is, is he the week 18 starter? Is he going to be the guy year round? I think they're going to do everything they can to try to make sure he is and put him in a position to be successful, and the O'Brien hire was part of that. But I think you have to be sort of wide-eyed about this and realize that, you know, it's year three. It's a make-or-break year for Matt Jones.
4: Where do you make the Patriots in terms of the hierarchy of the AFC East? Miami made, in in certain extents, strides this season. They ultimately wound up with the same record, but Tua had his injury issues, and and they looked like a much better team at points this year. The Jets look to either be in on Derek Carr, or if he comes out of his darkness retreat wanting to play Aaron Rodgers where do you fit the Patriots now in the hierarchy of the AFC East? Are they still contending for a playoff spot or is this a team that maybe is going to be flirting with a rebuild sooner rather than later?
5: I mean, a lot of it is up in the air. I mean, there are some big questions at the quarterback position for, you know, look, Buffalo is the clear one. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, the other three teams, I think you could say are sort of two A, two B, two C, with a lot of to be determined about the quarterback position. You know, if, You know, even if it's Derek Carr who makes his way to the Jets and not Aaron Rodgers, I think that gives them a huge boost because you're talking about a team that's young, that's talented, that was just competent, consistent quarterback play. We're not talking elite quarterback play, just league average quarterback play, and that's probably your second playoff team in the East. They didn't have that last year. I think Carr would give them that. Certainly Rodgers would give them that. And So I I think there's a big to be determined there, but an opportunity for the Jets to sort of fall up with the Dolphins. It's the health of Tua. I mean, you know, we're hearing reported, and he's talked about how he's sort of learning judo so he can learn how to fall better and protect himself a little bit more. It's, it's not, I I appreciate and understand why he's doing that. And it's important. Hopefully it all works out, but this is now a number of head injuries over the course of one season. It's a little unsettling. So there's obviously that aspect of that has to play out, and in New England, it's what we just talked about. Are you going to get a better version of Mac Jones here at year three than you had in year two? Is it going to look more like year one, or are we going to continue to see setbacks? Are they going to have a question about the quarterback position in weeks two, three, four, beyond? And so, I think there's the potential for New England to be competitive if it works with Mac Jones, but it might not. There's the potential for both the other two teams, the Jets and the Dolphins, to be very competitive, but. They have questions at quarterback, and it is the most important position in football. It's a reason why the Bills are atop the division right now. It's because they have the most settled quarterback position of the four teams in the East.
4: Another team that might be having quarterback conversations, and one I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around, Mark, where do you see this Baltimore Ravens Lamar Jackson situation ending up? Is is he really going to be? out of Baltimore for me, at least personally, I think that there's maybe a 60, 40% chance that he's out, but what do you make of the situation going on right now in Baltimore?
5: Yeah. I mean, I say back in October, you know, I'm here, I'm in the Maryland area, right? I get asked about it on the radio. I get asked about it at the bus stop in the morning before school with the other dads wondering, Hey, what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson? And I would keep saying, look, you know, they're going to get a deal done. You know, they've built the offense around what he does. So it makes sense for the team. It makes sense for the player, but I'm now sort of with you where I was like 99% It gets done. Now I'm more 60, 40. It doesn't because it seems like player and team are just very far apart. And now you're hearing not just the franchise tag situation, you're hearing potential tag and trade, you know, just possibilities being thrown out there and sort of with the news that we're getting today with Tennessee, that they're clearing all this cap space. Yes, they had to do it, but you're hearing rumblings. Maybe that's a, Lamar Jackson landing spot. You've had Jason Lock and Florida talk about maybe Atlanta. It seems like this is moving towards a situation where Lamar Jackson is not a Raven next year. And I saw a mock draft from CBS. And yes, mock drafts, you know, they're part of the offseason process that we all go through and you take them with a grain of salt. But CJ Stroud as the next Ravens quarterback. So it seems like there's some you know, momentum building to the idea that Lamar Jackson is not going to be in Baltimore. And so Look, like I said, in October, I thought it was going to get done. They'd find a way to get a deal done. Now I've sort of flipped on it. It seems like it's more likely than not that Lamar Jackson is playing somewhere else next year.
4: On the Western Hotline, Mark Schofield of SB Nation. Mark, before I do let you go, I did mention it before I brought you on, and this is is going to be a very personal one for me. Formula One technically starts tomorrow. But I'm still somewhat fresh and new to the sport. What exactly do we look forward to, or or what do we look for when it comes to this preseason testing that they're doing in Bahrain for the next three days?
5: Yeah, I mean, first off, you take a lot of it with a grain of salt. I mean, there's this idea of sandbagging, right? Because it's it's preseason testing, and, you know, you don't really want to show your best stuff. Now some, you know, some teams might like Mercedes last year, they had a glory lap at the end where both Russell and Hamilton went like one, two on a given day. Um, So they really put in some good laps, but teams are trying different things. So you sort of take the times with a grain of salt. They might be trying to run with a full fuel load. They might be trying different things with tires. And so you take it with a grain of salt, but it can be important because you also might highlight some areas of concern. And I mentioned Mercedes last year, during preseason testing, you saw some of that porpoison that they dealt with where the car was basically bouncing up and down at the end of long runs because they were struggling with the aerodynamics of it. And Toto Wolff, their team principal, talked a lot about it at the end of the season, how they really struggled to get the physics right. And so you might see issues like that pop up, but this is the second year under the current sort of, you know, designs, and so teams should have that sorted out. But it's nice to see that, you know, it'll be nice to see the cars back on the track. It'll be nice to get a feel for where everybody is. And I think there's a growing consensus around f one that we might actually have a title fight this season. And so it'll be fun to see. But it's, it'll be good to see them back under the, you know, on, on the grid. It'll be good to see some racing under the lights next week. And I'm pretty excited to get it all rolling.
4: Mark, before I let you go, where can the people find you, and what do you got cooking up as we get into the NFL offseason and, of course, the F1 season starting next week in Bahrain?
5: Yeah, well, I'll have both of those covered for you. Like I said, I'm you know getting ready to be out there in Indianapolis for the combine. I'll be out there Thursday through Sunday next week kind of tracking the quarterbacks Uh, While they're out in Indianapolis, I have a lot of QB coverage and some other stuff from Indy as well. And then Formula 1, like you said, you get preseason tests in these next couple of days. I put up the F1 glossary over at SBNation.com today for people that are new or even longtime fans of the sport. There's always some stuff you can learn. And so I had fun putting that together, something like 72 terms that, you know, you might want to know before the F1 season kicks off. And the, the racing begins in earnest next week, so I'll have that covered as well. But you can follow it all on Twitter at Mark Schofield and SBNation.com.
4: You heard it there, folks. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I hope you can talk soon. Sounds good, my friend. Always a blast. Thanks so much for having me, Zach. Thank you. And then again was Mark Schofield of SBNation on the West Her Hotline Corey, before we go to break, are you an F one guy or like any auto racing at all? I need to get the time to. Okay, that's well, that's fair. That uh, as a, an
3: adult male with kids, you do you you relinquish control of the television set. That's fair. So a lot of I, bluey for you, I'm yeah, assuming. I, yeah. yeah, a lot of bluey. Uh I don't get the wheel, uh, so to speak, when it comes to watching stuff, but I I will watch some F one. I will watch some NASCAR. I'm not above I'm not above auto racing. Um, it depends on the uh venue and and it depends on um. Especially for NASCAR, it depends on the venue. NASCAR, I think, has this problem more than F1 does, where the race tracks in NASCAR can really determine if the race is any fun or not. Um, mm-hmm. And in F1, simply because of the nature of the design of the different courses, it's not. You get more variety. I feel like there's more. There can be more competition. But I, I mean, maybe every race course kind of has its own ins and outs. But yeah, F1. I don't. I don't follow it, but I watch it. Yeah, give All me right. the goods.
4: All right. I can't get a NASCAR. I found that out this past weekend. Really? Da- Daytona was on, and I'm just like, I could not care less. Can't do know, it? I don't know if that's my problem, but I was just like, nah, it's not for me. Like, I turned it on for, I think, five or ten minutes, and it was like they were doing like the commercial, but we're still going to show you the action, and then we're going to come back. And I'm like, this is, I'm, this is ridiculous. I'm out.
3: You know what? It was from broadcasting it. Like, because I would be when we used to air the NASCAR races Mm -hmm. here at the station. Like it was not automated. Like I and that was me. It was my job on the weekends, and I would be broadcasting the NASCAR races, and I didn't hate it. Like I was good with it. I would. I was paying attention. I was listening to it. It was. It's not for something that you would think could never be broadcast on radio. It is literally a car going in a circle, and they, yet somehow it works. Did a pretty good job, honestly. Nice. All right, okay. It's not bad. What are All you right. looking
4: forward to in the F one? What do you What do you want? What's the action? Baby? I kind of want a title race this year. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I think that's the one thing I've got to get used to in in basically European sports as a whole. Because soccer is like another one of these things where there is no playoffs. Like it is just you accumulate points as the season goes on. Yeah. And, like, the title races could be dead and over with with, like, two months left. They do it right, by the way, I think. I do enjoy it, but it does kind of, like, like when, when the NFL season started, like, I missed, like, the last, like, four races of F1 season because mm-hmm. I was like, well, Max Verstappen of Red Bull, he's won the title. Like, it's over with. Like, I'll just kind of keep up with it on my phone, like, and see who wins based yeah. on the results. But, like, early season, I'm like, I'm all in. And I, I'm hoping, you know, Mark brought it up there. Like, you know, there might be a real title fight this year. Hopefully Ferrari figured out. Uh, their durability and/or strategies, because boy, they are fun to watch screw up. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like as an Italian myself, it's a it's a <laughs> it's a it's a blast to watch Ferrari mess things up for themselves. Oh my god, it does that. I don't watch a lot, but I did pick up on yeah. that. Oh, like, dude, it's it's a good time. And then Mercedes, like they they were the dominant team. Like when I jumped into it, they had just mm-hmm. come out of their New England Patriots era, like. Just run of dominance. I think five sure. straight mm-hmm. constructors' titles, which is the overall team championship. Hamilton had won five straight titles. Like it was like, okay, cool. I'm glad that's over with. But it 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 had a feeling that, like last year that like Red Bull might be that new team, and I'm like, I hope not. Give me, give me a title race. Give me something like that. I'm, I'm glued to every single weekend.
3: You like competition? We enjoy competition. It's I everywhere. think they do. I think a lot of European leagues do it right with just going straight table. I think the NHL should definitely go straight table. I don't. I no longer believe in divisions or conferences. Really? Yeah, Yeah. Not at all. I don't think when divisions and conferences were around, it made sense. When the fastest mode of transportation you could take was a train. Like, when, like that yeah. made sense to me to only play the teams literally around you in terms of geographic area, right? And now
4: that, like, planes are a thing, you're like, this is completely outdated.
3: Yeah, like, it's not necessary. Like, just everybody go straight table, that's it. I don't need conferences. I don't need a West, Western Conference and an Eastern Conference. Just make sure everybody plays each other a certain number of times. Mm. You, There are rivalries that have lasted a hundred years in the EPL, and they literally. play each other twice. Yeah. They, I don't home need to play the Leafs 14 times. Like if the if the games matter and I only play them let's say 3 times, it's fine. Play everybody the same amount of times. Uh, home and away in the NHL and we can figure it out. Like figure out a schedule that works and just have everybody play each other and then if you want a playoffs, go top 16, make it and then go. Well, One that, yeah, I was
4: going to say. That, that's a whole other conversation about how 16. bad the NHL playoff it's a, I, it sucks. It's awful. It sucks. It's
3: absolutely terrible. I like. It. There's no. Why do I want to? Like, it's fun to make fun of the Leafs, but they. If I was a Leafs fan, I would feel trapped. Like I'm constantly playing the Bruins or the Lightning, and I, that's all I'm going to play every, every time year. we make the every playoffs year. every year yep. is them. That's it. Sucks. It's Until boring. basically
4: all three of you age out. Your cores right. age out.
3: But yeah, that's it. You're just it's you're trapped in this death spiral with these other two teams, and it's only because of the format. It has nothing to do with the skill or anybody else around you. At least there was so much excitement when the Sabres were not good. They were average. And you would be like, Who are they going to play in the first round? Mm-hmm. And it could be any spin the big wheel. You could get the, the devils, you could get the penguins, you could get the flyers, you could get the Bruins, you could get the Canadians, you could get the Leafs, and you didn't know until you got to the final
4: few days who you were going to play. And that was
3: fun. And I miss that.
4: There's and now now it's now I mean it's completely gone. Yeah. Like Tampa, Toronto, Boston to a lesser extent, because they they've been the one seed the whole way through. But like Toronto and Tampa have known they were gonna play each other for like the last like three months. If
3: your sport does anything to me to make me not pay attention, because I don't have to, your sport is doing it
4: wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. That's
3: where the NHL is.
4: Like I, oh, I
3: don't have to pay attention to the playoff race. If your fans can say I don't have to pay attention to the playoff race, it should set off fire alarms in your headquarters. It's a huge red flag. Yeah. it is
4: the it is the brightest of red flags exactly. that you can have, and it's just it's it, it's frustrating to watch. I mean, like as a Sabres fan, we're excited because we the wild card race. There's like five teams that are all fighting for two spots. That's right, and it's kind of all though like to ultimately you're going to play Boston or Carolina, and really for us like you're kind of now looking at the second spot, so it's like you're going to play Boston. And I, I don't know, I, like I'm less angry about that, but if I was a Toronto or a Tampa fan, I would be, I don't want to say furious, I would just be annoyed. I'd just be like, can we just get there already? Like, as a Bills fan, it's different. Like, you know, you have the 17-18 games, it is it is just, let's get to January. Get to January healthy, because we know it's a three, four games, just let's get there. With hockey, it's just more like, can we get to games that matter? Yeah. And, and that, is, that is annoying. And that the, is frustrating. The, the,
3: like, it's... It's tough because you have situations where if you just have a playoff structure, that can take the drama away. Because just like now, you know who's going to be Mm -hmm. there with your format. But if you take that structure away and you just make it straight table, like it's gonna be the Bruins and that's it. Yeah, that's it. And and there's nowhere else to go. You're just gonna the, the season's already over. And like you were talking about with F1, so there just the nature of how each year progresses in your sport. It. You don't control the drama. You can't do that unless you just decide to screw around with it. Just like whatever, we're gonna make it up because we want drama. So yeah, you're in the lead now, but whoop, this year we're having a playoff, and last year we didn't. Yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna flip it on the table and, That's just, right. and see what
4: happens. Which oh, I can only imagine the the I would have so much anxiety with that. I would not like it at all. Key
3: Fieri figured it out. He introduced yeah. it, like on yeah. the tournament of champions. He's got the big randomizer that randomizes all the ingredients, so it's not predictable.
4: 10. That would, chopped, that go like chopped, a, chopped, yeah. Pretty like, much anything on the Food Network,
3: right? Introduce a variable that you cannot predict. Rich people love that. Oh my god, they can't get billionaires can't <laughs> get enough of things that that mess with their profits. Oh my goodness, they can't. They scream for it.
4: That's fair. That's fair. We're going to take a quick timeout. Lines are open at eight hundred three oh five fifty. We talk a lot about the Sabers. They're, I want to call it loss, just embarrassment last night to the Toronto Maple Leafs six three. Ryan O'Reilly scores a hat trick. Do the Sabres need to make a trade, or should they stay the course? also want to kind of talk a little bit about the Bills stay. A former Buffalo Bill hits the free agent market in Robert Woods. Should the Bills think about bringing him back on a one, maybe two-year deal? We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Showmen Bulldog. I'm Zach Jones. Shulton Bulldog have the day off, along with Corey Griswold, and you're
1: listening to WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
4: Well, if the vibes weren't great now, the music is really setting the tone. Listen. Which is good. I have a reputation. You do. You do. And it is the smoothest of yacht rock. I like this. This is good. This is good. I just The only thing I can't do when I'm coming back yep. from a break, Screamo. I cannot do it. I like I hear that, and I'm like, we need to run it back. Go back to commercial. We'll run another five minutes. We'll come back with a new song. So you, um, you can't... Can't do it. Screamo. Cannot do it. Cannot <laughs> do it.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I had
4: that happen to me one time those are old in college, those are, it was wild. Those
3: are old enough to be on the oldie stations itself. This is true. Now, like, Jimmy World is what? <sighs> 20, almost 25 years since Bleed American. Yeah. My God. It's it's tough. It's tough. Tough tough times have fallen to soul survivors as Steeler Dan would say. (laughs) Like, I, man alive. I'm not ready to be so old that I my music resides on like the deep AM band. And I speaking as people on the AM band, yeah, I think what yeah. people understand when I say the deep AM band. Like way down the dial. You're on the one side with us. All the way at the other end like you start hearing emo through that static and compression. Like it changes the man. <laughs> does. It does. It's going to change you know, you, somebody. You really come to grips with your own fate. Oh, and love What that. it is
4: to you get comfortable with death in your old age. <laughs> Uh, Welcome back to Shope and the Bulldogs. Shope and the Bulldogs both have the day off. I'm Zach Jones along with Corey Griswold. We're talking a little bit of Sabres in the first hour. They had what can only be described as an embarrassing loss last night to the Toronto Maple Leafs 6-3. Ryan O'Reilly scores a hat-trick. Not really his return to Buffalo, but his first time as a Toronto Maple Leaf in Buffalo. Do the Sabres need to make a trade or should they stay the course? Playoffs or not, it doesn't matter. Stay the course, stay with the young guys and see what happens. I do want to talk about, though, in this segment, and we're absolutely taking your calls at 803-0550, Robert Woods. Cut today by the Tennessee Titans, or at least reportedly, so I don't think the Titans have officially announced anything, but him, Taylor Lewan, they're out. And Robert Woods was a pretty darn good receiver for the Bills when he was on the Bills. He was ultimately traded when the new regime came in and was starting things over. He goes to the Rams, has a pretty darn good run there, tears his ACL with the Rams when they go get Odell Beckham Jr., he winds up on the Titans, and they cut him after one year. He's turning 31 years old, but in terms of taking a guy in a league minimum deal, putting him in maybe as your third receiver, Corey, can you do much worse in that situation? Bringing in somebody who I think was a pretty darn good bill and maybe slightly underrated. Oh yeah, I deeply miss him. And like, just I'm not saying he's got to be the best. That's why I'm saying like, bring him in as like a third wide receiver. But we had Mark Schofield. On. These
3: never go right. Like that when yeah. you, you go around. And you, like, it's like, maybe we can bring the guy back who was halfway decent. And it just, the vibes are never the same. I just think was like,
4: I don't need the bills. Robert Woods. I don't really need the LA Rams. Robert, Robert Woods. I just need like a mix of like late LA and what they got in Tennessee this year, this year in an offense that uh, hates throwing the football. He had 53 catches, 527 yards and two touchdowns. I'm going to, ha- I'm going to be hard pressed to wonder like, can Shakir just give me that? But yeah, like that's my thing too. Is like, are we rushing past potentially what Khalil Shakir could be for this team?
3: Yeah, I think what they need to do is get the not play the people who aren't good and start playing people they that might be, and just figure that out, right? Because if Isaiah McKenzie is on the field all the time and you just get nothing out of the dude, Mm -hmm. like, great, you might have other assets who might be better than that that isn't playing because he's there. Gots to go. Sorry. Like, but you know they're at a logjam of average receivers that doesn't help you.
4: Like, That's kind of why, like, I like the idea of bringing in Paris Campbell. Is he another average receiver? I, I, no, more. I got those. With, he more had to deal with injuries and finally broke out in Indy this past year. Okay, now he's going to be a free agent, twenty-five years old, runs about a four-three, mm-hmm. and I think if you can put him behind somebody like Diggs, I think you can really have him flourish. I just, I'm worried we're at a spot now with the free agent class. Like P- Paris Campbell, to me, is the best free agent wide receiver the Bills could get. And you look at the draft class and go, there's not really much here either. Maybe you are better off this year at least, not necessarily getting just a middling or urged avid receiver, but somebody that can maybe pop a little bit more on this Bills team with somebody like Stephon Diggs taking up the double teams, being the number one receiver on the team. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where you're at now. Like We all want this team to potentially trade for a guy like T. Higgins. Because he may be available for the Cincinnati. There's
3: Bengals. no, there's no way. way the Bengals
4: send him here. Yeah, there's no way it's happening. Regardless, even if, if if we're in the NFC, if we're in the same cap position we're in and and everything's the same, still probably not happening. But if you can get a guy like Paris Campbell on like a two year deal, he adds an element of speed to this team that like it yes. is is something and we talked a little bit about it on our few times that we mm-hmm. did Sports Talk Saturday together. This team was surprisingly slow in terms of just out-and-out out speed on the offense. Really the fastest guy is Isaiah McKenzie, and like you mentioned with him, you're not really getting anything out of that position. No,
3: that speed is not utilized correctly.
4: So maybe bringing a guy like Paris Campbell, who is not just a gadget guy like McKenzie is, and he's maybe not necessarily a number 1 outside wide receiver like Diggs is, but if he can be that outside amalgamation of a slot guy as well, maybe that's how you do somewhat unlock this offense again. Because this past year... Third down seemed difficult. Passing over the middle was (sighs) non-existent at times. And it's just maybe this is the way to go forward is by getting more speed. That's why I'm a big fan of Jalen Hyatt, even though he effectively has never faced press coverage in his life.
3: It's plausible I've died and gone to an alternate dimension because the more (laughs) I listen to NFL talk in the offseason, the more it seems like everybody says... Uh, and not everybody, but a lot, mm-hmm. um, are suggesting that the Bills should take another running back who's good at pa- catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, you're thinking Bijan Robinson out of Texas. That's great. Good. That's fantastic. What the, what the first time the Bills actually utilized that position when for the past, I don't know how many years, and like incorporated as a key marker of their offense, mm-hmm. I'll listen to them taking that person in the first round. They have, in the past few years, they have tried to acquire that player, yeah. and they traded for Naheem Himes, and never used him to do it. No, I, he, his biggest his biggest usage was on special teams. The first thing that should be said to someone who suggests the Bills should draft a wide receiver is shut up. Like, no. <laughs> they have James Cook, he's fine for running the football, and they do not pass the ball to their running backs. Oh, shut oh, you, mean
4: draft, you mean drafting a running up. back, drafting a running back. Okay. Yeah,
3: don't yeah. draft a running back. Don't do it. You got one, he runs the ball, he's fine. Oh, well, they want to throw the ball. No, they don't.
4: Prove it. Prove it. I mean, well, Prove I, I, that's do. my thing too. Is like we're, we're in this weird conversation now, and I think it's really starting this season of maybe a disconnect between Brandon being the and GM, his quarterback, and it was quarterback his offensive coordinator. Like, what is going on? It's there It's easy they to wanted?
3: blame Dorsey. It's very yes. easy to yes. blame Dorsey. Talk to the dude who holds the football and looks at the running back and then looks away. Yeah, and then goes, uh, No, no, I'm going to throw it to Diggs again for the fourteenth time. Yeah, like that's the that's the quarterback making that decision. He might be making a good one. Because the decisions that he's making is like, I'm not throwing it to that dude. He's not going anywhere. I'm going to throw it to the really good player who's over there. Mm-hmm. Like He's like, my best player is that one. That's why I'm throwing it to him. Until you get a player who's as good as Diggs is, Allen is making a decision based on talent of where he wants to put the football.
4: And that's what and that's what that feels like. Is He's like, I don't totally trust these guys. That not is, yet. And I think a lot of that also is just, they weren't on the field enough. Yeah. By the time Cook was really being used, he was like, kind of.
3: Spilling time it, it, it with, really, with Singletary. It, it really feels like we got to start talking about Allen here. Like The ball goes through him. He has a lot of freedom. He has a lot of leeway on what he wants to do on the football field, especially if a lot of the conversation of of him revolves around him improvising on plays that break down. Mm -hmm. If you're going to say the offensive line is bad and they can't protect him, it almost implies that he must improvise on the plays where that is breaking down because he does not have time to process the plays he's supposed to be doing. So, And that ball is never going to the place that everybody says the Bills want to have. You don't think that conversation didn't take place in the meeting saying, "Hey, we want the football going here. It's we've been trying to do it for literally years. Put the ball there." Yeah, just throw it there, please. Right. Throw it there. Yeah, so if that conversation is not happening, either people are making up that they want that running back position to be a pass catching position, mm-hmm. or they just never believe that the dude they've got is any good at it or Allen's like, "I'd love to do it, but I'm never in a spot to be able to pull it off." Either way, I need to have people stop talking about getting a running back. Sh- shut up! <laughs> Nobody,
4: shut up. no, stop it. Looks well, like what is this now? Like the third year in a row that there's been like real movement on potentially the Bills drafting a running back in the first round. Mm-hmm. Last year was Brees Hall. This year is Bijan Robinson. Draft another defensive end before you draft another running back. Oh, I don't. How, ma- how mad would I be at that? I'm be, now I'm because thinking about it.
3: if you get a good defensive end, I believe they'd use him and he'd make an impact. Because if you draft a good running back, I don't believe that.
4: Well, I think uh, – well, it, it depends. it they be drafted, nice. If they drafted B. John Robinson, because that's the guy that they're really being looked at, is at Texas, he's a three-down running back. You're using him also as a you – no, know, you're going to run the ball as well. Like So they would use him there, Absolutely. But I he's not more, changing
3: the nature of a, or for no, an offense that scores 28 points
4: a game. No, he's not cha- He's not making it, things easier. He's not making it more fluid. That was the big issue for the Bills this year. It Everything felt really, really difficult to do. And that's where like, I'm, I'm looking. And like, I, a part of me looked at Robert Woods being released today, and I went, ooh, that'd be interesting. But he doesn't fix that issue. They have filled their positions on offense with two elite
3: guys, mm-hmm. Allen that's it. and Diggs. That's it. And everybody else is... Mikey, yeah, if everybody works together and tries really hard and believes really hard in themselves, we yep. can probably pull it off. Which is maybe why it constantly looks hard because like they're up against better
4: talent at a lot of their positions. I did look at the Chiefs and the Bengals this year and it like the Bills have to get more efficient. I think that's really what it is. Stop always going for the home run ball, stop trying to get chunk plays. Yes, I know we have a quarterback with a bazooka of an arm, but maybe it really is at a point now of but you got to be efficient. They also score a ton of points they do. Here we are
3: complaining, that's, that's and they're, the hard part. like they're like a, they do. They're a lightning offense. Like they're they really are good,
4: a lot of fun. But maybe we're very close to being what Baltimore was a few years ago, where they win a ton of games, but you're still super frustrated in them. Yeah. And now, look, we're there at where I, I think if they trade Lamar, it is a hardcore rebuild want, beginning right away.
3: I want nothing to do with another running back. That they'll no, do That they'll ease into the offense, and we won't really get to see them until week ten. Yeah.
4: There's no way I'm going to be happy with that. no. Stop it. Cut it out. We're going to take a quick time out. We are still taking your calls at 803-0550. Where should the Bills add at the draft? Are you going to be mad if it's defense? Do you want a running back even? Do you want receiver? O-line, of course, is something that is a big talking point. And, of course, we're also still taking your calls on the Sabres. Should they look to the trade deadline to add a piece, or should they stay where they're at and try to make the playoffs with this young core they have? Should the Bulldog have the day off. I'm Zach Jones along with Corey Griswold, and you're listening to WGR. Welcome back to Shope and the Bulldog here on WGR. Shope and Bulldog both have the day off. So Zach Jones, Corey Griswold along with you for the next few hours. We're going to go to the phones, get connected to our fans. Jerry from Kenmore joins the show. Jerry, how are you doing, my man? What would you like to talk
2: about today? You know, I had this running back uh, discussion with everybody in the world, and here's the problem with running back right now in this league. Do you know the top three rushers in this league this, this year did not make the playoffs? Chubb, Jacobs, and Henry did not make the playoffs. It's not how you win games anymore. cow backs keep you from throwing the ball, which is how you win games. The, the other thing is, and I think McDermott has realized it because he doesn't even use the term anymore. I'm tired of the term third and manageable. Good teams make first downs on first and second down. Philly has success because they treat third down and second down a lot of cases because they know they're going. Do you know how you get to third manageable? By running the ball. It's not a formula for success anywhere in this league. Make your first downs on first and second down. It's a throw. Think about the stats. The best running teams in this league average five yards per carry. The worst throwing teams in this league average six and a half yards per attempt. Why would you ever run the ball?
4: Jerry, thanks for the call. And on that first point, uh, or on that last point, excuse me, it's about efficiency. If you're running the ball 20 times a game and and you average about five yards pop every single time, like efficiently you'll be moving down the field along with a few throws here and there. I think that's where the Bills really did get themselves into trouble, is the efficiency, is the fact that at times it really felt like they're they're not moving it comfortably. You look at the Eagles. He brought up the Eagles, and, and a lot of times they do treat third down as second down. It's because they would get into a third and one situation, and you saw it in the Super Bowl. All they would have to do is hand the ball off to Jalen Hurts, their quarterback, and they would do the offensive lineman, you know, pushing the, the the runner and stuff like that. And that's all they would do, like just push, get that yard, move on. And I I did like the point that Jerry made there, where it's it, there's no such thing as third manageable anymore. If it's third and short, most spots where you're on the field like if you don't get it and it's like fourth and inches a lot of coaches nowadays are going for it they really are and he's right josh jacobs derrick henry nick chubb those are your three leading rushers the raiders did nothing even though jacobs did pop off and and he's a a better receiver as well derrick henry's a flat he's just i'm here to run the football he's not even in on passing plays most of the time because he can't pass block and then nick chubb very very good running back but uh, yeah, he's right. Like th- th- these offenses don't go anywhere. They don't score nearly enough. There's no real big play ability. And you just you're going nowhere. Think about how many times we see like a 15-20 yard throw that's completed and Jacobs is playing on a team yeah. that went and
3: got Devontae Adams deliberately mm-hmm. to open up that offense and it didn't help because you still have
4: Jacobs that takes away from Adams. Yeah, you're still going to end up using him. I think right. honestly the perfect running back now is is truthfully a guy like a Travis Etienne or a Chris McCaffrey where they don't need to run the ball a ton because they're also going to act as like a slot receiver. Yeah,
3: yeah. the perfect running back is Debo Samuels.
4: That too. <laughs> <Where> he's, <laughs> he's essentially it's to a receiver. Not
3: but, to literally turn it you know. into a hybrid position. Like the revolution that might be next on the horizon is the running back turns into what the tight end has become. They are not gigantic blockers anymore they are almost expected to participate in the pass game and sometimes yeah. do both and the running back position might just turn into that people have this image in their heads of like the running backs as seen in fantasy football and it, the, the actual sport doesn't use running backs like that anymore teams that do like our running back is our ticket to success never succeed yeah
4: it, it's 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 a it, it's not even a dying breed anymore it's gone it's completely gone bless up airbrush t-shirts Teddy Bears on street corners, like that position is dead. Because you even think about like the twenty fifteen Seattle Seahawks with the Legion of Boom, Marshawn Lynch. They mm-hmm. got there though because Russell Wilson himself as well in the passing game would extend plays, they'd hit deep bombs all the time. Like you still had to have your quarterback. You're not winning. And that, Super their Bowls.
3: defense brought the margin of victory back yes. so that an offense built on running
4: had enough cushion to win that game for you. Yep. And you you now look at like the eighty five Bears, the two thousand Ravens, they're not winning Super Bowls anymore by being really hard defenses, no quarterback play, and a two thousand yard rusher. It's just it's not gonna happen anymore. We're going to take a quick timeout when we come back. Keep the Sabres and Bills talk going. We are still taking our calls at 803-0550. Should the Sabres make a deadline day move before deadline day next Friday? And the Bills, where should they add in the draft? What position do you want them to go get? And what position would you be against in the first round? We're taking your calls at 803-0550. This is Shope and the Bulldog. Shope and the Bulldog both have the day off. I'm Zach Jones along with Corey Griswold, and you're listening to WGR.